It's time to sit down and relax for the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A with your host, Doug. Hey there. So next week, we will have a review of Ace Ventura Jr., but this week, we have a special interview with an agent, or as she likes to be called, a personal talent manager, and her name's Judy Fox. I found Judy when I was emailing around for actor interviews uh, for the movie Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Spoiler alert, we are covering that next month. And going back and forth with her about finding times for her client Leatherface, R.A. Mihailov, we just really hit it off. So out of the blue, I was like, I want to chat with you. I want to know what an agent does and find out you know, what they actually do. And bonus, she's actually a producer on a bunch of horror films. So that covers that too. And Judy Fox has a stable full of great horror actors, including Kane Hodder, who has portrayed Jason Voorhees, R.A. Mihailov, who I just mentioned, who played Leatherface in the third film, and George A. Romero's son, George C. Romero. And he's done so many great things on his own, just to name a few. Her clients found her and not the other way around, which really says a lot. So listen how she got started in the biz, because I find it super interesting. Enjoy. Hi, Judy. How are you? Good, Doug. How are you? Great, great. Thanks so much for being understanding. You bet. No problem. Glad it all worked out. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Well, yeah, so I know we've communicated so many times, and like I mentioned to you in a couple emails, you know, uh, I love movie sequels. You know, the good ones, the bad ones, and just what goes into them. But through this, I really was fascinated in learning because I've watched movies forever. You know, I grew up in the generation, parents would sit in front of the TV, or in the summer, they'd be working and just watch whatever movies are on TV. And, uh, yeah, and I've just always been fascinated with what people do. And there's some jobs you really, you know just by what they say, you know, an agent, but, like, you don't know the day-to-day, so... So where did the Judy Fox story begin? Where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Loma Linda, California, and uh, lived in a, a small town in Southern California after that for the first several years of my life. And then my family made the pilgrimage to Los Angeles uh, when I was about 15 years old. And then um, uh, the rest is history. Went to school and then um, actually was a gemologist for a long time. I had a jewelry store. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, whereas, you know, I used to grow up uh, watching Cowboys and Indians with my brother, my eldest brother. Um, it was one of our favorite pastimes, but I never in a million years envisioned myself being in this industry. Um, I had a, a, when I was younger, I had a real passion for geology and stones and the natural uh, wonders of, you know, God's creations of, you know, diamonds and sapphires and geodes and all kinds of um, uh, different um, beautiful things that come from the earth. And so that led me into the jewelry business. And I first started out with my what I call boot camp in Manhattan in New York. And then uh, got some training there. And then I was offered a job by a jeweler in San Francisco and then uh, eventually um, he opened up a retail store and uh, asked me to run the store for him, and then I eventually bought the store. 
Um, anyway, I did that for nine years, and then I decided as a young person that I just really wanted to, number one, live closer to my family in Los Angeles, and number two, that I felt like I'd explored as much as I wanted to with the jewelry industry and just really had a, a desire to do something else, and I wasn't sure what the something else was going to be. I actually took a job working for a huge uh, international land development company, and uh, in fact, the, the the first person I worked with in Los Angeles uh, was a man named Joseph, Joseph Bolker, who was Christina Onassis's uh, husband. Uh, okay. Yeah, and uh, you know the the, the daughter of uh, Aristotle Onassis. And anyway, Aristotle didn't want his daughter married to Joseph, and uh, pretty much bought him out of the marriage. And um, uh, so he had this huge uh, international land development company. And I worked with him for some time, and and it was fine. Uh, Then he uh, unfortunately passed away of cancer, so I found myself again soul-searching. And I took another couple of jobs after that, and at one of these jobs, which was a huge corporation, um, I was making fantastic money, but I was bored out of my mind. And there was a a young lady working there who was a, a temporary worker, and she was very, very pretty, and all of the women in the company seemed to dislike her because she was really, really pretty. And I kind of made it my um, uh, uh, duty to to uh, be nice to her because she was always nice to me. And uh, anyway, one day she said, I have a question to ask you. And I said, what's the question? She said, well, would you be my manager? And I said, your manager? What are you, a boxer? Because I'd only <laughs> heard of boxing managers and um, she said, no, no, I, I'm an actress. And I said, well, what do I know about actors? And she said, it's not what you know about actors, but it's it's what you understand about people. And she said she observed me interacting with people at that corporation, and she saw I was a real people person and that I took great care of people, and she just had it in her head that that I'd make a great manager in Hollywood. And at that time, there were only managers who handled uh, celebrities, like um, a, a celebrity would have a manager, so there'd be one actor and one manager. Um, I can say that I am probably one of the first uh, talent managers to have a, a stable of actors, yeah, so far as I know, anyway. I've been told that. And, wow. um Yeah, and it was a several years afterwards that a lot of agents became began uh, becoming managers for whatever reason. I think probably because they wanted to handle a smaller group of people rather than at an agency that, you know, handles anywhere from a thousand, excuse me, a hundred upwards to a couple of thousand uh, actors. And is that what manage- the difference is between the two? A manager it, that has like a smaller group? It's one of the differences. The other okay. difference is a, a an agent is uh, uh, key in uh, negotiations and bookings. And a talent manager um, does <clears throat> helps find the jobs, and uh, these days, you know, definitely is a crucial part of negotiating. Um, and I've always been a negotiator, but along with an entertainment lawyer. And um, the difference is that managers have more uh, hands-on uh, to do with an actor's personal life, not just their uh their acting life so in other words uh maybe they read a script and they don't care for the script and i find a way to finesse out of the project you know before it's ever finalized um 
or I will help them decide on a script, you know, whether they should do a project or not. And as well, okay. I'll help them decide on, uh, you know, to say, example, what kind of wardrobe to bring, um, you know, consulting with, with wardrobe on different uh, uh, films and television. However, oftentimes they also want to know, you know, what should they bring up their own to set. And um, and then sometimes, you know, actors need uh, some a shoulder to lean on. It might be, you know, personal event or a uh, a tragic event or an illness or, you know, different facets of their personal lives that um, uh, I'm there to to be part of and in in the uh, most human ways to know how to counsel a problem uh, that uh, looks like it can be easily resolvable or to lead them to other people to consult with if it's something more traumatic than that. All right. What, what year did that girl uh, approach you about being her manager? Golly, I really have to think back, but what I can tell you is this. I'm, going, I'm into my 34th year as a manager oh, and as wow. a film producer. Yeah. And then film producing came to me when I represented Michael Grace, who wrote, uh, who I represented for a number of years. He wrote the first two Poltergeist movies and even was consulted oh, yeah. with for the most recent one. And uh, he wrote the movie Marked for Death, the Steven Seagal hit. And, oh, I love that movie. Yeah, and a number of other really, really wonderful uh, uh, film projects. And so um, uh, he had a project that he'd written, and he wanted to direct it. So I helped him produce that, and I helped him cast that. And so that was the first producing project I uh, uh, had a hand in. And then I've it, it just kind of launched things from there where people started approaching me about producing with them. And uh, it opened up, you know, all kinds of avenues for my actors as well. And then... Uh, so what goes into... Yeah. Pro- that's another job. That I, that's another question I have written down in front of me. So what goes into producing? Like, what is it from the start to the end of the project? Like, Oh, your, well, we could take a whole week to tell the duties oh, of a producer, but I will give you the <laughs> basics. Which, okay. Uh, yeah, sometimes an executive producer and or a producer will help to find the financing for pictures, which these days is the... The hardest facet, truly the hardest facet of, sure. of, movie, of movie making, and uh, you know, or launching a TV series. Um, so uh, after the the money comes into play, then uh, it's help helping to, number one finding the right director for a project, and then working uh, in conjunction with a director as to the type of cast to bring in, and then the offers that are made to cast, the offers that are made to crew, uh, bringing in the right crew, helping find locations. Um, getting make, making sure there's the right permits and the right unions have been uh, dealt with with contracts and um, uh, all um, uh, the schedules um, for crew and for uh, cast. Making sure we've got you know or the right line producer who can bring all these elements into play. Uh, so it's, it's really a matter of you know building building a mountain. Quite frankly, yeah. and that's making sure to draw in the the appropriate people that can draft the right types of budgets, uh, uh, attract cast, the right casting director, um, and the right location to make sure that the project has the best incentives, to make sure all of the union rules are adhered to, um, from everything from the cast, but also with the crew, and uh, so. You know, it's it's a multifaceted endeavor being a producer, and um, but that gives you a general outline anyway. Yeah, and that sounds like exactly what that 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 girl that you worked with, uh, that actress, looked for when she saw you. You know, thirty four, thirty five years ago, 
and exactly the skills you have to need, especially the way you just laid that out. You're dealing with so many different people. So if you're in a very abrasive person and not someone that gets along with folks, it's going to be a hard job to do. So that's, that's great that you have those people skills to be able to work with so many different people just to get a project off the ground. Right, and, and I, I think a, a key to that, a key facet is to be a good listener and to be able to delegate, to be able to get along with people, and to have excellent organizational skills. It, 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 without organizational skills, it, it, it's a lost cause for any endeavor. Yeah. And and also the pliability, you know, that sometimes don't, things don't go the way that we anticipate them, and there's curveballs that come into the picture or bottlenecks, you know, that, that block things from getting done. And that's true with an actor. You know, there, it's a business of, of, of high rejection. There is more rejection than there are uh, people landing jobs. And so it's a matter of being able to be comforting, be soothing, be compassionate, be understanding, to lend a uh, uh, the voice of reason, uh, you know, through everybody's darkest hour. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, to also be supportive and to, you know, also give the applause and the kudos uh, whenever and wherever it's, it's due and merited. That's, that's also key, you know, as, as important as somebody landing a job, that they get the recognition for their endeavors and uh, are shown, you know, a great deal of appreciation. And the other thing is about, you know, being a manager and being a film producer, it's uh, it's a never-ending job. So it, there is no uh, eight-hour, you know, nine-to-five job. My My job is essentially seven days a week. And, um, yeah, and, and even when I'm, you know, traveling somewhere, you know, nothing ends. There's always something to be done. And even when I complete a project, then it's okay. It, you know, that one has, has been completed and now on to the next one. I know. Yeah. So there's no such thing as a respite. No, no. Until you're done with it. It sounds like you love it so much. I do. I do. I'm very blessed in that regard. And that I will say that in my 34th year, I absolutely love what I do. All Amazing. It's hard to find people in 34 years at any job. I bet you could pull people on the street that have been in the same career for 34 years, I'm sure. Most of them would not have that same sentiment, so that's great that you have that. That's now, true. Noticing, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, noticing all the people that you uh, manage and the movies that you produce, did you always love, like, enjoy horror movies? Not at all. <laughs> when I was when I was a teenager, I had some friends uh, call me up and they said, uh, "Hey, we want to go see a movie with you. We're going to pick you up. We're going to go to a midnight showing of a movie." I said, "Well, what's it about?" And they they know that I love nature, and they said, "Well, it's a nature movie." I said, "Great, I'll be ready." Well, we went to Westwood, and it was the uh, it was a red carpet screening of a movie called The Exorcist. Oh. They lied to me, wow. <laughs> and I still haven't recovered from that film all these years later. <laughs> yeah, but it's you know, so I'm not the. I will. I'll be the first to admit I'm a chicken when it comes to scary things, and um, uh, but uh, quite by accident, but a wonderful accident, I uh, was approached by uh, first by Bill Mosley. And um, I, at first I, I was like, oh, no, no, I have an actor kind of looks like you. And, you know, I don't really have a small group. And I was giving him all these reasons. And then I sat down with him and I just fell in love. 
I said, oh, my yeah. God, this guy is so smart. He's so bright. He's so um, special, so unique, and a chameleon with every character that he slips into, and, and a joy, just a joyful, good human being. And so I just was hooked. And then um, just quite by chance, I uh, somebody called me up, um, actually knowing that I represent Bill Mosley, and said, um, hey, you know, I know you represent Bill Mosley, and we're looking for another horror star for a... Um, for a party, a private party. And I said, well, who's that? And they said, Kane Hodder. And so I called Bill and I said, listen, I've got a job for your friend Kane Hodder and I'll just, you know, give this to him. It's a boatload of money and um, and then, you know, just give it to him because I was approached by him. Anyway, so I, uh, he gave me Kane's information and I I spoke with Kane and I was hooked. <laughs> we sat down for lunch and, and I said, oh my God, this is an incredible human being. He has an amazing life story. He's a good family man. He's got two children that he absolutely dotes on as well as his wife. And he's just a, even though he's got this gruffness about him, he's actually a really beautiful human being and with a kind heart and um, very charitable. He does many, many charitable things. As, as does Bill Mosley, by the way. And uh, I, I found all that to be really, really attractive and really compelling. And uh, I will add a note that when I first started out, I had this thing that, oh, well, I'm, I'm never going to do anything with satanic films, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and and so I thought I would always be a rom-com kind of manager, you know, romantic comedies kind of gal. <clears throat> and the truth is I found myself really bored with uh, at first, I had a stable of actors that were just what I would call beautiful people. In other words, they would look in the mirror a lot. <laughs> dot dot dot. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, it, that was about all there was to them. And it bored me to tears. I thought, wow, these are people that talk through you and not to you. And I just knew that that was not the type of person that I wanted to represent. So. Um, uh, so then I find myself, you know, at that time with, with Bill Mosley, then Kane Hodder, and then Kane uh, said to me, hey, there's a buddy of mine, and I'm wondering if you would talk to him. Well, that was R.A. Mihailov. Got a call from R.A., fell in love. Oh, my God. I'm big, sure. I big, know. wonderful, you know, giant of a human being, and, and his heart is every bit as giant as his stature. And, um, that, and, and then uh, Bill called me and said, uh, hey, I got another buddy that wants to just ask you a question, and I said, "Sure, tell your friend to call. I'll, I'll be helpful." And then it was Michael Berryman, <laughs> and it turns out I'd met Michael Berryman on a movie set when I was new to the business, and I had a client, that first actress, I had a client in that movie. It was a comedy, actually. And um, do you remember what movie? I do. It was called Teenage Exorcist. And it, but it was it was not a horror film. It was a comedy. It was a really, really oh, okay. comedy. So I met Michael on set, and I remembered uh, saying to myself, "What a beautiful person! What a, a gentleman! What a gentle giant this guy is!" And that stuck with me. Just what a what a lovely, sweet, kind person he appeared to be. And so when he called me to ask me a question. And I helped him with the question, and then we talked for a little bit. Well, it was all over. It was love. Love, 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 love. And so then Michael became my client and my dear friend. And Michael, also a, a fantastic human being who has an amazing life story. He's currently writing his life story. 
and I hope everybody will buy it once it's published because uh, he has a unique story like no other. And yeah, I was reading some of his bio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fascinating. Yeah, one of his first, well, his very first film, believe it or not, was a cowboy movie called Doc Savage, and that was followed by uh, uh, him being approached by Milos Foreman to be in the Jack Nicholson movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, wow, from that, that's so great. Yeah, so then Michael came to me, and after Michael, um, I had um, a director called me, and he said, um, uh, I want you to meet a, a wonderful actress who I've directed many, many times, and that was Linnea Quigley. So the director and <laughs> Linnea and I had lunch, and it was a love fest. So, <laughs> And Linnea is a remarkable human being, one of the kindest, sweetest souls I have ever met. I mean, just a doll. Uh, I've never heard her get upset. Um, she is a big uh, a lover of, of all things with four feet and uh, has rescued many, many dogs and uh, just a, 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 a generous, kind, sweet soul and, and uh, as we all know, uber-talented. <clears throat> so uh, anyway, I've had... Uh, and, I, and then... Uh, let's see, have I named, have I named five now? Let's see, I've named Bill, I've named Kane, I've named R.A., Michael, and Linnea. So, my sixth horror star is Daig Ferk. And Daig, I actually met on the red carpet of Rob Zombie's first Halloween. And oh, okay. Daig is the young Michael Myers in, in that film. And I met him on the red carpet, uh, and then, and then back, uh, stage, uh, with his mom, and um, I remember, and Dave was only 11 years old then, and I, I remember saying to myself, what a wonderfully morose-looking child, <laughs> because he had this this um, this uh, kind of um, scary, evil quality to him that just, um, I, I, I don't want to say evil, but there was a, a, a very... Um, a wonderfully strange moroseness to him that I found very uh, uh, attractive uh, as far as um, what he emanated. And he didn't emanate evil. I should that was I misstated that. But what he did emanate was a quality that I thought was really otherworldly. I think that's probably the best way to yeah, that's describe a, it. At that young of an age, to be able to portray a character like that with that much history. Crazy, crazy, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't solicit actors, by the way. I don't solicit clients. Uh, oh, so it sounds like they all call you. They, they, they do, like, they do. Oh. It's, it's interesting. I, 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 and I'll tell you about the one client that I did solicit. I'll tell you that, that in a minute. But um, that with Daig, uh, it was about uh, a year and a half or two years ago. I was overseas, and his mom sent me a an email or a text, and she said. Hi, this is Mickey Ferk, and my son, Dave Ferk, would really like to work with you. And what went into my head was, oh, my God, I met Dave when he was 11 at the Halloween okay. premiere. And I said, you know what, I'll meet with him when I get back to L.A., and I did. And I and he's growing into this uh, wonderful look. He's um, just a, a tall, lean, long-haired, blonde-haired, uh, uh, now young man, and uh, very, very bright, speaks three different languages. Um, he uh, is poetic. He's a songwriter. He's a rapper. Um, uh, when I say poetic, he also writes poetry. 
and oh, wow. um, uh, a, a, an amazing actor. And he just also has this quality about him that I, I find to be very intriguing, very different, very unique, very special. And I feel like he's he's coming into a new stride in his life, and uh, you know I'm I'm hoping to help him achieve that. But what I want to get back to is is the the one actor I did solicit is early on in my career, really in the first year of my career. I hear a beeping. Uh, in the first oh, year no. of my career, um, uh, I went to see a film called Romero, and I went to see it with the first actress that I represented. And when the, when he came on screen on screen, uh, she said, "Oh, there's my acting coach." I said, after the film, take me to your acting coach. She said, okay. <laughs> so we showed up at his home. This is in a, a very much gentler time in, in the world. <laughs> I showed up at his home. Of course, yeah. Of and course. I said, uh, his, name, his name is Al Ruscio, and a wonderful character actor who was in The Godfather. He was in uh, The Untouchables. And he was, if anybody remembers, uh, a TV series called Life Goes On. He was oh, yeah. the grandfather to Corky, uh, oh, no a, a, a child with Down syndrome, and Patty yeah, Lapone yeah. played the mother. So he was a series regular on that show. And um, we went on to work together for 25 years until he passed away. Um, but Al Ruscio is the one and only client I solicited, and it was just a match made in heaven. He just was my heart. And uh, I loved, loved, loved every minute working with him and in his last years helped him, uh, along with his family, get a book published on acting called So Therefore, dot, 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 and uh, published by a company in England called Rutledge, which I, you know, helped acquire for him. And um, I went on to also represent his wife, Kate Williamson, for 25 years until she passed away and uh, also represented their daughter, Elizabeth Ruscio, for a number of years. Oh, well. So I represented a, practically a whole family. I'm still a whole very, family, yeah. I'm still very close with Michael Ruscio, Al and Kate's son, who's an award-winning editor and a brilliant director, um, and uh, he's working on a TV series currently. Um, oh, cool. And, yeah, so, so, uh, and he's really prolific, really genius person and a beautiful human being. So that was the one client I solicited with Al Ruscio. That's the one one that you had to go get, but it's everyone else. Everybody else kind of found their way to me, and I, I, you know, I I, uh, I wonder about that. You know, sometimes I I think, hmm, it's so interesting. You know, it just shows you that in life, we're not in charge. You know, there's this higher power that's in charge, that God is in charge, and, and, you know, life happens. Um, John Lennon in one of his songs, and, and I'm a big John Lennon fan, uh, uh, one of the lines in his songs is, "Life is what happens while you're busy making other plans." And I think that kind of sums it up. That no matter how much planning we do, that our purpose, I believe, is predestined, and we just, you know, we're along to dance here on the planet for a certain <laughs> amount of time. And you know, if we can all uh, go by the golden rule, which is do unto others as you would have others do unto you, then I think we might have a better government and we might have a better world to live in. That is, dot, that dot, is dot, 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 dot. <laughs> yeah, I actually just bought, my mother-in-law uh, surprised us. She went to an estate sale and she bought us Double Fantasy. 
John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. That album, yeah. Mm. But no, that's so no, that's so true, and it's all about. Uh, I, I think you're one of those people that don't want to give yourself as much credit as you deserve, but you treated the first person you dealt with as the most important person, and then they felt that, and then they told someone else because they you made them feel a certain way. Hmm. So just that chain reaction, the way you treated Michael and then to R.A. and Kane, and, like, there was just this chain reaction of the way you treated people, and it and it obviously stuck. Well, you know, kindness, I think, is the best way to treat people, and it certainly, you know, everybody should be treated with kindness and yes. with understanding and compassion. My dad, uh, who passed away three and a half years ago, was a renowned child psychologist and actually started the first, what I believe was the first school for autism in California. Oh, and wow. they wanted to name the school after him, but he refused because he was a very humble man, a very humble soul. And uh, he taught us. I should see where you got it. That's yeah, you got it. yeah, yeah, my daddy. I give my daddy all the credit because <laughs> he taught us about kindness. He taught us about understanding and my parents lived through the whole civil rights uprising, and uh, 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 my parents used to live in Nashville, and they got on a bus one day, and, and, and they watched a black woman being told to get to the back of the bus, and they instead, they had the first row, on the, the first seat on the bus, and they stood up and, and told the woman, take our seat, and they went to the back of the bus, and of course, it enraged the bus driver who threw them off the bus, but I just bring that up because... Uh, I'm going to bring up another story, by the way, that uh, when I was a kid, this is how old I am. We used to have milk delivered to the house. We used to have eggs delivered to the house. We used to have bread yeah. delivered to the house. Yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> so, oh, no, it's not that old. <laughs> there was a woman who came to the house delivering eggs, and her name was Robbie Wire, and uh, a, a, a black woman. And when she came to the house a few times, and my parents bought eggs from her, my father invited her in, my father and mother invited her in one day and, and had her sit down and, and have a meal with us. And uh, they said, you know, tell us your story. It turns out, and I, I, I want to say she was Harvard graduated. I may not have the college right or the university right, but she was highly educated. She was a, a college graduate with a degree, but she couldn't get a job because she was black. My father employed her on the spot. Gave her a job working at his office, uh, uh, working uh, at, 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 a, at a, uh, uh, the child study, study center. And I, th I think she may have had a master's in psychology or something, but he could tell, you know, that she was highly intelligent, a really good human being, and with a wonderful uh, a spirit and, and with a diploma and with all kinds of uh, expertise. And, and literally was not being given an opportunity strictly by the color of her skin, and uh, which my father just just was uh, absolutely uh, appalled. My, both my parents were appalled by this. So he gave her her job, and from then on, she was called Auntie Robbie. And I, all my life, believe she was my, my blood auntie. And when she would wow. come by, she would pick me up, you know, I'd sit on her lap. I was, you know, a little kid at the time. And I always remember her perfume, how she'd just, you know, wrap her loving arms around me, and I, I just would smell that wonderful perfume that she had and, and the love that she emanated, the light that she emanated. And so, you know, kudos to Robbie Wire, kudos to my father and mother for being um, 
ahead of those times, you know, to have been uh, people that uh, got it, you know, about the injustices in the world, which still go yeah. on today, and with with hate on the rise, with uh, so much discord and divide in our country, and so much discord and divide in so many countries around the world, uh, what a lesson we all have to learn that, um, you know, we, we had the civil rights movement in the 60s, and we still have a hell of a long way to go. I know. It's scary when you think about, you know, even young kids. I, 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 Especially I was, young kids. Especially oh, young I was, kids. I was born in 86, and it's really like, you know, now I always think that, I always call people like, uh, man, that guy, I always say to my wife, like, oh, how old is that guy? And it's like, okay, she's like, Doug, you're old. You're, you're, you're 32. You're not, like, young anymore. So, but it's funny, like, even thinking about 86, it wasn't that far removed. Like, where I grew up in New Jersey, uh, my parents, there was riots in this next town over, uh, mm-hmm. over, over racial things. So, like, it, it's not that far removed. And like you said, like, it still happens today. So, yeah, that's great that your father was that ahead of the time and your mother was that ahead of the time. Yeah. So really, on it's, the spot, not even thinking about it. That's amazing. Right. And, and the, the lesson in all this is we took a few steps forward, but unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are still taking steps backwards. And, yeah. uh, and it's and it gets worse and worse and worse that children yeah. and their parents have to fear whether a child's going to come home from school or not because of somebody walking in to the school with a gun, you know, semi-automatic, a bomb, uh, uh, fire, knives. Uh, we are in the heart of a situation that has got to change. It is not right that a child has to walk in fear. It is not right that a parent has to walk in fear. And, you know, heartbreaking, all these people that have passed away and and in houses of worship, churches being burned down, temples being uh, being burned down and shot up, uh, um, um, mosques being, people being murdered, uh, Poway, San Diego, two weeks ago, uh, a 19-year-old going in and shooting innocent people at a house of worship, people that had merely gone to serve God, to give prayer. And it shows us now that we live in a, a day and age, and, and malls also, that people aren't safe going to malls. So the change has to stop, start with each of us. Number one, that if if we see something frightening, that we have to speak up. We hear something frightening, we have to speak up. And thirdly, be kind, be good to each other, be tolerant of each other. This is, this is, it all starts, every step starts with each of us. It's not about somebody else. Change starts with each of us. That's so true. And that hits so close to home. I just had a daughter, so she's only four months, so a little far away from school. But my wife's a teacher, so that's something that we think about. The dr- the drills that she has to do are something that I would not have fathomed when I was in school. Like having to make sure that the kids are in a certain way, so when the if there is a gunman in the school, like they can't look through the window. It's all about her blocking the door. So, no, it's it's a, a teaching job. You never would have thought that you're putting yourself in the line of fire. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah, right. So if anybody tells you horror movies are out of style, the answer is we're living it. 
know, we are. And and I think that, you know, with horror movies, horror movies are a an escape really from the terrible realities that we have. And I do believe that's why horror movies remain popular because people need that ultimate escape. People need to have a, a bigger scare than their reality of life. Yeah, and I think that's that's so true. I think horror is more popular than ever. And again, thanks so much for taking the time. Before I let you go, I had RA recommend a movie for me to watch, and I watched it. And it was great. Slasher.com. So, what would you what movie that you produced over the last? As many years, horror-wise, would you recommend that that you actually? I know you're not the biggest horror fan, but one that you enjoy or you think folks would enjoy. Hmm, an ac- an accidental zombie named Ted. Okay, it's a horror comedy, and we have right. another movie that I helped out a lot with. I can't even remember if I'm named as a producer on this, but I did help out a lot with it. Um, is a movie that's going to premiere at the end of this coming week, which is called Shed of the Dead. And oh, it is cool. a it's a horror comedy, and um, and it stars Michael Berryman, Bill Mosley, and Kane Hodder. How oh, that's and, great! Yeah, and then Bill Mosley stars in Three from Hell with Sherry Moon Zombie coming out really soon with uh, Richard Brake as well, and that's going to come out sometime this fall for Lionsgate Films, and uh, it's, I think it's going to be pardon the. Pardon the, 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 the funny point, but I think it's going to be killer. <laughs> <laughs> I really yeah. hope one movie that I know you're producing that I talked to R.A. about, yeah, because uh, it looks like a really cool story, is The Fourth Horseman. Right. So The Fourth Horseman is a Western that's going to star really cool. my horror stars. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great slant, you know, to have uh, horror stars starring in a Western and it'll shoot in Spain, and it's going to be directed by Enzo Castellari, who is the king of the B-Westerns in the 1960s and 70s. So we're hoping we get the rest of our funding soon so he has the opportunity awesome. to direct it. And I, I want to tell you my really I want to tell you my all-time favorite horror film, yeah. and that is The Devil's Rejects, Rob Zombie's The oh. Devil's Rejects. Hands awesome. down, my favorite horror movie. Cool. It is so well made and so well acted, and I have five, uh, five or six of my actors in that movie just by chance. <laughs> and um, uh, but you know that's a movie I can watch time and again and never get tired of because Rob Zombie just did such an incredible job of directing that, and I have a really, really strong feeling that Three from Hell is going to be uh, a match made in heaven, if not even more so. And we're all really excited to see that film when it comes out. Well, I'm excited. Well, Judy, thank you so much. You're welcome, Doug. Thanks for being persistent. I'm excited to hear more stories. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, you've heard about my, uh, everyone's heard about my horror, my stable of horror stars, and I also wanted to mention my my, uh, non-horror clients. And uh, I also represent Alistair Duncan, a Scottish actor who's based in L.A., and uh, you may know him from uh, David Fincher's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and also Westworld. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, as well, um, for those uh, video game aficionados, he's hugely famous for uh, God of War, the video game, and Lord yeah. of War, and he is actually Mimmer. Um, if, if, you know, uh, Mimmer is a very, very popular character, uh, in the, in the video game world. 
and um, uh, you know, so a lot of people will know him uh, from that uh, video game. Wow! How yeah. does that come about? How do you usually find work like that? Well, <laughs> like you know, artists. yeah, for voiceover artists, it takes a really wonderful voiceover agent to uh, get those. Um, uh, those type of jobs, and uh, so that's what that's all about. And then he, you know, he auditions based on his voiceover reel, and then also like like an actor goes in and auditions for um, uh, for a, a a live action role in television and film for video games. Uh, there's actually um, uh, dialogue that the actor puts on a a voice reel. So uh, for his character, Mimmer, God of War, from God of War, um, he actually uh, auditioned for it based on his uh, genius voice work. And oh, wow. that's, that's how we got that. But for all the uh, video game uh, folks out there who uh, they'll understand who Mimmer is. It was I'm sure. Popular. I'm sure my friends would. <laughs> yeah, and, and Lord of War, he's actually the lead in, in the video game Lord of War as well. So... Um, he's playing in a lot of the video games that have uh, the words God and Lord in them. Oh, look at that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. And then uh, I also represent uh, Reginald Ballard, a.k.a. Bruh-Man. And yes, I love is, him. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. And um, he's uh, uh, extremely well-known for his character Bruh-Man in the comedy series uh, Martin Lawrence is called Martin uh, yeah. Probably more years ago than some of your viewers uh, were even uh, born then, <laughs> but um, uh, he's still to this day people re- refer to him as Bruhman from the character that he created on that show. And in fact, um, uh, there's a sneaker. Uh, LeBar James, LeBron James, uh, has a, a, a Nike shoe that he just came out with that is dedicated to Martin Lawrence and to Bruhman. And, no way! Yeah, that's, so cool. yeah, that's the latest uh, uh, Nike shoe that uh, LeBron James uh, came out with. He's a huge, huge, huge Martin uh, fan, and uh, so we just thought that was a really cool uh, tribute to to uh, to Martin Lawrence and to uh, Reggie's character, Bruhman. And uh, Reggie also was a regular on the Bernie Mac show. For those of you who remember the amazing Bernie, yeah. Mac, who who left this world way too early, and we all miss him. Um, so that's uh, that's my client Reginald Ballard, who's doing a lot of cool things today as well. We're looking forward to him being on a new series soon. So we'll. we'll I saw that. What is that going to be on? Yeah, well, it's in zombies, right? Yes, it's no, 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 no. That's not that. No, no, no. It's still under wraps. Oh, okay. But stay tuned. Oh, okay. Stay tuned. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll and then for it. yeah, and then and then additionally, um, I am very blessed to represent. Kenny Gage and Devin Downs, a.k.a. Gage Downs, a directing duo. They're award-winning directors uh, who also are writers and producers, and they um, have won awards for a film they did called Cynthia, which is a horror comedy, and I had clients in that film, including Bill Mosley, and when that film was in the works, um, I was approached by Kenny and Devin, and uh, they... Uh, said they would love to work with me, and I, I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> because they're, they're enormously talented. And what's really beautiful about them is that they don't just do horror genre. They can do anything. 
Their very first film was a film called Anarchy Parlor, which is still very popular in the States and overseas and can still be viewed in, on many different platforms. Um, and they also directed and won an award for uh, the award-winning series of John Sing- the, late John, John, the late and great John Singleton called Rebel for BET. And um, they uh, just came back from directing an epic film in Wuhan, China. And they are the very first American directors to film in Wuhan, the province of uh, Wuhan. And um, Kung Fu Girl is the first ever anti-bullying girl power message film made for China. And the film is completely in Mandarin. And Kenny and Devin don't speak a lick of uh, uh, any Chinese dialect, let alone um, uh, Mandarin. And they made this huge accomplishment with this film, including uh, using students from the largest uh, Kung Fu school in China, 35,000 students. And they actually have shots with thousands and thousands of students in the shot. And miraculously, they were able to direct this incredibly wonderful film uh, for the Chinese audience and uh, came off of the production getting done with the film not just on time but actually early and right within budget um, and I have this amazing look achieved and the film is, is with the Chinese censors right now but probably will be, uh, I would anticipate, be released I think sometime this summer in China. So that's a, a truly amazing accomplishment they made. And as well, they've just been signed on to direct a film called Move, which is a global dance feature film. And that's also going to be a really, really fun, cool project. And then my other client, uh, I represent George C. Romero, George Cameron Romero, who is the son of George A. Romero, the uh, original originator of the zombie world from yes. Night of the Living Dead in 1968. And George is a wonderful writer, producer, director, uh, and um, we have some really cool thriller projects that he's written. So we're actually leaning away from zombies with him because um, I think it's good for him to be seen in his own light and uh, we've, we've, we've got enough zombies for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that's, that's my list, and I'm, I'm very proud of who I represent. And uh, as you can see, I, I have a small list, but a stellar list of people that I, I represent, and I, I adore every one of them, love every one of them. And uh, looking forward to, um, uh, to many, many more projects for each of them. Yeah, it's such a great group of people, and even the connections that they had before they interacted with you. Exactly. You know, just just even like when I talked to R.A. Mm-hmm. on Texas Chainsaw Massacre on, on Leatherface, uh, Kane Hodder was the stunt coordinator and was able to help him out. And Kane actually played Leatherface in like the the trailer, right. I think it was. Well, he's actually so Leatherface. Cool talk. He is Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He starred in in that film, one of the uh, versions of that film. And um, it's because of Kane that I represent R.A., as I mentioned earlier, 
in yeah. the interview. And uh, it's just, uh, he's, he's an incredibly uh, wonderful human being and uh, just an absolute joy to represent. And any time that I'm able to work on a project with multiple actors that I represent involved in the project, it's all a blessing. And in fact, I, I forget if I mentioned this earlier, but we have a film premiering, uh, I think I did mention this, we have a film premiering this week called Shed of the Dead, a, a horror comedy that uh, yeah. yeah, Bill Kane and, and, uh, and uh, Michael uh, filmed three years ago, and it's finally uh, going to be uh, released. So we're oh, really awesome. excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll have to look out for that and check that out. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's uh, premiering in Australia and the U.K. and in Los Angeles this coming week. Oh, that's really neat. Is anybody going to do they Are they doing anything out there oh, for it? Like, oh, is yeah. anybody we, flying out? Um, I, I know Nick David Lean, the lead producer and creator of, of this project. I know he's going to make an effort to be out here for the premiere, but because oh, cool. we have, um, you know, premieres in, in different continents, uh, he's, he, he may be stretched too thin to be out here. But I oh, yeah, definitely. I know that some of the crew is going to make it out to L.A., um, and so we're looking forward to uh, cheering them on uh, at the premiere. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Just thinking back from when we were chatting yesterday and uh, just how you got started, I think think it's so amazing, just something that you didn't think you were going to do. Mm-hmm. Somebody approached you saying how great of a people person you are, and this would be something that I think you'll be at and be good at. And you're like, okay. And then it's just, <laughs> look at the way it evolved, you know, 34, 35 years later, and the yeah. amount of talented people that put their trust in you. Amazing. Yeah, and, 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 I, and, and that's just it. You know, it's, it's being reliable and being trustworthy that make a relationship, I think any relationship, and, um, you know, being available, being there for my clients, you know, night night or day, seven days a week, um, you know, that they know they can pick up the phone and uh, get the answers that they're looking for um, and the guidance that, they, uh, that they're looking for. Um, and it's also, you know, on, on my part, being extremely loyal to the people that I represent and... Um, uh, yeah, you know, all those years ago, when I when I was intrigued by this idea of being a personal talent manager, and personal is very very key in that title. Definitely. Yeah, and and I figured, you know, I can't really be a personal talent manager if I've got more than, you know, a total of a dozen or so clients. And um, uh, the it, and when I, when I first started out, I went to the Sam French bookstore, which is a, a an industry bookstore in Hollywood, and just started to read about different elements of the industry and educated myself, you know, by reading different documents. And it just, you know, kind of groping in the dark in the beginning, um, but what I would do is get auditions for that first actress of mine, and I'd go to the auditions with her because I'd heard this thing called, about this thing called the casting couch, and I was terrified somebody would take advantage of her. And so I would go and sit outside the door where she'd audition. And if she were inside too long, I'd go knock on the door. <laughs> and ask, is, is everything okay in there? Which, you know, of course, I would never do today. But, you know, yeah. things have come a long way since then. 
Um, we Thankfully. Hope, we hope, yeah. we hope. And and then, yeah, now I know. With the Me Too movement. But um, uh, anyway, I'd be sitting at these different auditions I get for her, and I'd be sitting next to other actors, and, you know, inevitably an actor would turn to me and say, so uh, are you here for the audition? And I would like, you know, me? No, I'm not an actor. <laughs> and, well, what do you do? Oh, I'm a manager. And so my very first few clients were, you know, these people that I met at these auditions who asked me to manage them. Uh, one, one of them was this uh, enormous uh, Native American just with this fabulous look. And, uh, and so he was one of my early actors. And then I actually was asked to speak, speak at a, a acting class by a woman named Arlene Galanka. And then she asked me to manage her. And uh, she was a very, very well-known character actress in the um, 60s and 70s. And so, uh, you know, that's it's just an interesting way that I got uh, some of my early clients. Um, and then before you know it, I had agents and directors and producers referring people to me. And like any business, you know, I've had actors come and go, and I've had actors that I've, you know, that actors who've left me, I've had actors that I've released, but it's just kind of the the um, it's kind of the flow of the industry that you you work while the work is good and while the relationship is good and if, if it doesn't feel right then there you go and one thing that I know is that I have to love picking up the telephone uh, for the people that I represent and if I have any uh, underlying uh, you know growling in my my chest that says this is right then then I make a change. And fortunately, the the group that I represent today, I just love each and every one of them uh, with all my heart and soul, and it's a joy working for them. And I'm sure they're lucky to have you, too. They feel the same way. I know R.A. does. Oh, thank you, thank you. That's so yeah. sweet. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I adore, I adore every one of them. And, yeah. you know, when with my actors, you know, we all care about each other, and uh, in this topsy-turvy world, you know, it makes such a difference to know that there's somebody out there you can count on. Yeah, why not? We don't go around, we're not around forever, so why not be kind and nice to one another, so. That's true. We're dancing here for a very short time, and carpe yeah. diem. Every day, every day is important, and we, we have to, you know, count the blessings that we have. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for, uh, for taking the time, and I'm going to keep an eye out for all those things we were talking about. Fourth Horseman, I really am excited just about that because right. RA, oh. RA was really super excited when I found mm-hmm. it on there, and yeah. Yeah, let me mention some of the other projects I've got in the pipeline. Yeah, sure. I have a fully financed project called Out of India, and we're just looking for a female director right now uh, that uh, we will be filming uh, in India. Um, and the producers we have are the same producers on the ground in India that produce Life of Pi, Slumdog Millionaire, and Lion. And, oh, wow. uh, yeah, so as soon as we find our, just the right director, we'll be off to the races with that. And I also have a project called NOLA that's coming together. It's a female driven thriller, and I have, uh, a good part of the money already raised for that one. And, uh, it takes place in New Orleans. And uh, I also have uh, a slate of wonderful, wonderful horror films, one called Buzz, written by an award-winning uh, writer named Mark Cerulli, who I, I adore uh, the uh, friendship and uh, work, working relationship he and I have. Um, he also wrote a really cool project called Riptide, which is about a Navy SEAL 
who's gone off the rails and uh, takes a whole resort town hostage. Um, and uh, uh, Kenny and Devin will be directing both of those as well. And, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and and of course I've got my horror stars lined up to be uh, in different roles in 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 uh, Buzz and Riptide. Um, I also have a creature feature called Rattlesnake Canyon, written by Mark Allen, wonderful writer who's also a, a vet. And um, uh, and then I have um, a, pro- a project called The Carolers, which is about a, a freaky group of uh, these uh, kind of hillbillyish people who become obsessed with a, a, sing- a singer in the choir in the church they attend. And about the uh, what happens with uh, with their with their obsession with this this young uh, young girl. That sounds creepy. I like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's wonderful, wonderful characters in that one. So you know that's just a little sampling of the things that I'm working on, and uh, uh, you know, and and then with uh, uh, George C. Romero, I have um, a project of his uh, uh, that we're working on. That's also a, a thriller uh, that's called Sunken. And it has to do with a uh, a woman who has a, a gambling uh, addiction, and she gets mixed up with the wrong people. And she and her husband and child are actually held beneath the ship, and uh, they're they're uh, you know the clock is ticking. So it's a real edge of the seat um, thriller. And uh, uh, Kenny and Devin are who, who are also writers. They've got a wonderful project called No Good Kind, which is a female action thriller. Uh, about a uh, some folks that have a tattoo parlor and at Venice Beach and uh, and about uh, corrupt police uh, and you find yourselves as audience surprised that you're actually rooting for what would normally be the bad guys. So it's a <laughs> wonderful psychological thriller. That's great. No, I love that. There's so many female-driven led uh, movies that projects that are coming out. I love. It's about time. <laughs> I know, and al- totally. And also the diverse projects. It's so wonderful to see that there's so much diversity at long last, you know, in, in female-driven projects and female directors finally getting uh, uh, directing gigs. And, in fact, the reason I've had trouble getting the right director for Out of India is all the ones that are on our list are wonderfully busy, which doesn't do me <laughs> any good for our projects. <laughs> I'm really happy for them. Are you going to go when that movie does shoot? Will you go out to India and be That's on set? That's right. That's right. Have you been? Will, have you been there before? I haven't been to India. I've been oh, to regions. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I've been to regions not far from there, from India. But uh, it'll be a, a very exciting adventure to be on the ground there and working this with this wonderful producing team that we're very, very blessed to to be in business with. And um, uh, yeah, so we're we're very excited about all these all these different. Uh, yeah, it's a big reason to be excited. A yeah. lot of fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely keep an eye out for all this and keep checking sure. back on IMDb and, and maybe bug you a few more times. But you uh, can bug me yeah. anytime, Dag. It's always a joy well, thank, speaking with you. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Wasn't Judy great? She was a lot of fun to talk to, and you could really tell how much she loves what she does, and it shows because her clients find her and not the other way around. All right. Well, next week, we're going to be reviewing Ace Ventura Jr. It's a fun movie. You can find it on Amazon Prime. Don't forget to review, rate, and share our podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Sequels Only. Good night.